This is Homestay Live. I'm Graham Lynch, and welcome to the show. Well, it's been a very interesting uh, year or so for the telecommunications industry. We've seen the rise of generative artificial intelligence. There's all sorts of talk about things such as Open RAN, the inflection points of LeoSat, and so on and so on. But overriding it all is ongoing macroeconomic instability. So telcos are having to take a really good hard look at themselves. Um, how they make money, and how much money they're spending to make that money. So um, this, this obviously, given the nature of the times, envisages a very hard look at the cloud and what the technologies on offer there have to offer telcos who may be looking to do things in new and different ways, and particularly to get away from the constraints of legacy. So um, we're catching up today with... Ishwar Paroka, who's the chief technologist for Telco at Amazon Web Services, he has some pretty interesting thoughts about this. So I thought it'd be worth getting him on the podcast um, to see uh, what he has to say. Welcome to the show. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Where where, where are you located today? Uh, today I'm home, which is San Francisco. San Francisco. Wonderful. Okay. The overriding theme that AWS seem to have identified and correctly to my eyes based on other perspectives is that telcos haven't paid a lot of attention to their opex in the main but they're through economic circumstances um, are being compelled to at the moment um and, and you've you've got some very interesting takes on specifically how that might manifest through the year and it starts off with generative AI and telcos as a user of AI as much as a, a as a carrier of the traffic generated by AI. So can you explain to us short thinking behind what you think is going to happen there? Yeah, so to your point, you're, you're, you're right. Telcos haven't really, you know, um, focus on their OPEX as much as they could. But I think there's also an opportunity for telcos to be more of a service provider as opposed to just connectivity providers. You know, they have infrastructure, you know, they have customer base, and that's the other trend we see or the other value we see from the cloud perspective is bringing the cloud and the network together enables them to really get into um, and open new uh, services and applications bundled or tied to connectivity, you know? So to us, the, you know, it's kind of two things. One is definitely the OPEX part of it, but the second part is just uh, the value of the network and connectivity itself goes to a different dimension when you couple it with some other assets. Um, you know, so, so it's, it's, it's these two dimensions. Now, generative AI, I mean, as you all know, it's going to be transformative. Uh, you know, we're already seeing it happen in many industries. Um, and uh, we see the same happening with the telecom industry. I think this is going to be uh, pretty impactful in all aspects from internal network and business operations. Uh, customer service, as well as offering uh, new capabilities in their products or services that they offer. Um, so uh, uh, the first way we see is around customer engagement and customer service. So dealing with, uh, you know, uh, uh, having uh, chatbots that can talk to customers and really understand customer problems and resolve them in real time with minimal agent intervention is kind of, you know, the first big category of uh, things that we are seeing and uh, a, a pretty large number of uh, telcos are already adopting it so that's the most mature part then there's uh there's the network side of things in terms of network operations um, and then the, there's a range of things that can be done there from simple manuals that operators use to install and to 
figure out uh, issues, you know, that that all can be completely transformed with uh, generative AI uh, technology. And then there's uh, actual uh, network uh, configuration and network uh, planning related uh, things and uh, use cases also that can be solved with uh, generative AI. Uh, and uh, there's another area which is just business process related, you know, RFQ responses and things like that, which are very generated. These are not telco specific, but I think that also applies like any other industry here in terms of really, uh, you know, uh, using generative AI technology there. So it's gonna, it's definitely gonna have a broad impact and uh, we see, because telcos are very interested in different aspects of it. Yeah, okay. Now, um, moving on, the, the next prediction that AWS um, has made is, uh, I guess it sees a, a maturation of the utilization of software as a service in telcos. So what do you see happening there? So this is another trend that we've seen in other industries, you know, as the cloud, the first, uh, uh, if you may say the first phase of the cloud was just running software applications on the cloud and, you know, kind of the models, commercial models, as well as operational models evolved to the vendors of software offering these as a service on the cloud. Uh, and now we are seeing that touching the telco industry, right? So it's all legacy, you know, technical debt they have, you know, they don't have to invest obviously in, in the infrastructure, but also in terms of contractual uh, agreements and things, it's a, it's a, it's a very simpler models, co contractual maintenance, updates, upgrades uh, kind of thing. Um, and uh, so we're seeing um, operators like T-Mobile is an example. Uh, they're using SaaS solutions from, you know, Salesforce, Adobe, Amdocs is a big one. Um, you know, so we're seeing definitely an, uh, an expansion of more uh, more of the mature software products uh, that are already running in the cloud to SaaS models, uh, you know, so which have commercial as well as operational benefits. Yeah, okay. Now, the, the other, um, I guess the flip side on that as well is that telcos have been embracing the use of APIs a lot more. But it, it's interesting because it's, it's not as easy as it looks, is it? It's, a very, it's very complex to adopt that as a mode of operation. Um, yeah. But AWS sees that taking hold this year, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. So it's been on a, a trend. I mean, this is something when we started looking at the telco space six years ago, we we had broached this idea, but it, it was a little early uh, for the telco industry to really grasp it because you had to build the 5G network. You had to learn how to operate it and things like that to really get to this step. step right. Uh, but we uh, really see parallels here. If you look at the cloud, it's fundamentally compute storage, uh, you know, I mean, there's a lot of pieces, but a very, very simplified version of it is compute and storage that is all offered through APIs. I mean, we have a lot of technology, innovation, a lot of infrastructure, but all that our customers see is 2000 services offered through thousands of APIs. That's what a customer touch point is. And it's a very, very powerful way of offering infrastructure to build services. And we see the same parallel in the networking or the telecom industry. So to us, it was uh, obvious and evident a while back that this could be the path that the telco industry could go to. And in the last year, we've seen them reach that point where we have 5G networks built. There is some technology underneath that needs to be built a certain way to enable APIs, which 5G does. 5G had laid the foundation for it. So we see the beginnings of uh, starting to offer network as an infrastructure asset through APIs, just like we've done computer and storage in the cloud. Um, so definitely this year in Mobile Congress, you'll see more activity uh, around that. 
uh, we believe that uh, we have a lot to offer the industry in this because we have built all all the stuff, all the secret sauce and technology that we have built is all offered and consumed through APIs. So uh, we understand this space very well. We've learned a lot through this space. We've built a, a range of commercial models based on these APIs. And we are uh, looking into partnering with telcos to help them get into this space and you know look at network uh, as an asset similar to the cloud offered through APIs. Yeah, okay. Now, now we're not unrelated. Um, telcos more and more are actually operating and deploying their network services over the cloud. And, and a really good example of that is the increasing move towards cloud RAN. So do, do you see that trend continuing to manifest through 2024 or was that one that's in, in the too hard basket maybe for a few telcos? No, I think 2024 will be the, to me, the year of the RAN where uh, telcos will start looking seriously at the radio access network. So what we've seen in the last two years is, uh, you know, the, the more uh, IT-like workloads, for lack of a better term, but, you know, the simpler, you know, workloads which don't have that much network-related uh, dependencies like IMS or OSS, VSS, you know, are very mature to run in the cloud and we see a lot of deployments. Uh, from that, we have progressed to packet core, you know, the 5G packet core, which is again, uh, from a standards perspective, designed very nicely to be containerized and to take advantage of the cloud. So that's a place where we've seen traction. We have customers running, you know, the, the parts of at least the 5G core on the cloud. And the next, the, the last uh, bastion of this is the RAN. Uh, radio access network are, they are complicated because they need certain accelerators and things. So we had to evolve the cloud a little further to uh, to enable it to support these type of workloads. Uh, but uh, that is where uh, the next year is going to be where we'll see some early adopters start to look at cloud as a platform for running radio access network workloads as well. Uh, there, are all, uh, there are also other components, network components like load balancers and switches uh, that already kind of, you know, are very uh, uh, cloud friendly in a way, right? they can run on the cloud. So we are seeing different pieces of the network uh, slowly move towards the cloud. Uh, RAN is the big next big uh, kind of, you know, uh, well, held to conquer in terms of how it can run on the cloud. Yeah, I was just going to say that there must be still um, pockets of cultural resistance within telcos to not just adoption of the cloud for something like the RAN, but all the other things you've been talking about as well. How do you see telcos overcoming, I guess, those cultural challenges in adopting these new paradigms? Yeah, so I think there are a, a, a couple of challenges here. One is, uh, you know, the network by definition is built of multiple components, right? So you can't overhaul the full network at a given time. There's contracts they have for years. There's, uh, you know, uh, insurances and, you know, kind of guarantees and all kinds of agreements locked in. So one of the practical challenges is how do you start the process? Which parts of the network do we start? And how does it gel with an existing network which is different? You know, So that's one thing uh, that you know, we, we have to work through. Uh, and the second thing is these cycles are long. I mean, you know, so if, if you are not ready right now, the next opportunity is gonna be a few years down the line when they will really up, uphaul or upgrade the network. So, uh, so that's the, these are the two dimensions which is kind of uh, partitioning the industry in terms of early adopters and people who will do it later. There are people who are interested, there are companies that are interested, but now they have cast their network and they have to wait till the next refresh cycle and they have to identify parts of the network that they can start uh, transforming. 
uh, but we are definitely seeing um, momentum on all parts of the network is just different parts in different uh, telcos and in different geographies. Um, the RAN is still uh, what, what I would say is the next bastion to conquer in terms of like seeing you know how it will uh, how it will lend itself to the cloud and what the challenges there might be. Yeah. So that's what we are looking at today as well. And 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 for, for telcos who you're know, looking at these challenges, are there any? individual telcos who you would see as fantastic role models for others who've, who've made the journey down the path and have pulled a lot of this off? Yeah, so uh, I, uh, Dish is a good example in the US. Uh, they had the luxury of being greenfield. That doesn't happen normally. So, uh, uh, you know, they were a little fortunate in the sense that they were, they had just had Spectrum and nothing else and they wanted to build a network. So they could really take the leap with looking at cloud native and that is where we as a company also learned a lot about what it means to build a cloud native network right uh, but there are other uh, absolutely large uh, forward thinking companies that are actively looking at it uh, but as i mentioned the network by its nature being distributed being uh, uh, of the nature that you you don't replace everything at the same time you you know you work on certain parts of the network either certain markets or or either the core or the RAN, uh, that is one of the things that drives how these leading telcos are adopting it. Uh, but we're seeing traction in Europe. Some of the leading telcos there are uh, looking, you know, see, you know, kind of deeper into um, uh, uh, how the cloud can, uh, you know, kind of be the new infrastructure for them. And we have, uh, uh, you know, kind of experiments and uh, trials going on uh, over there as well. Um, and uh, Asia as well. So it's across the spectrum. Uh, I, I, the cycles are long, so part of it is tied to when they're ready to kind of look at replacing some power of the network as well. Yeah. And just, this is a slight digression, from, from, but you, you're talking a lot here about things that impact on OPEX. Um, um, how about on the revenue side? How, how, how can some of these trends be harnessed to actually grow the cake for telcos? Yeah, so uh, this was what I was referring to earlier when I said, you know, it's, it's uh, telcos have been kind of thinking relatively narrowly by as connectivity providers, right? But they are essentially they have infrastructure and they have a large customer base, right? Not just uh, uh, individual customers like us, but also enterprises, right? So I think they really have the market uh, and they have a large part of the assets. Uh, what we are looking at is firstly uh, having helping them build infrastructure using the cloud so when we use cloud to build the network so let's say it's the packet core running on the cloud or the uh, or a ran um, a, a, a cloud component that runs the ran piece it comes with a lot of other services it's not a server i mean that's the kind of fundamental difference to recognize is that it's really a piece of the cloud that comes with it and what that means is it's not just hardware or software it's all of the aws services you have the aiml stack you have uh, uh, different kinds of storage uh, options. Um, you know, you have IoT services that we have. So it's the cloud coming to the edge and these different locations. And that makes it very easy to spin new applications. So combine that with connectivity, and that, that creates a very powerful infrastructure for uh, telcos to uh, not only use their connectivity, but use these other services that are sitting next to that connectivity to build uh, new applications and services in a new way, connectivity services in a new way.
yeah so i think we we started participating in mwc what is it two or three years ago yeah. uh, you know we had a small press and now now it's like all the telcos uh, are talking to us so uh, from a question of whether the cloud can pay, play a role to me we have made the transition to telcos totally recognizing that cloud has a, yeah. a very big role to play here and we will just find telcos at different stages. Um, the I think the generative AI opportunity is massive because it uh, level uh, sets the playing field, you know. And I think uh, telcos, given their assets, their large customer base and touch points, are very uh, nicely positioned to take advantage of this technology early, and not uh, you know let happen what happened when they were relegated to pure connectivity players where. A lot of value was built on the top, right? This is an opportunity to level set some of that because they have a very, very fundamental asset, which is connectivity. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I see that as also a big opportunity. We didn't touch on the network APIs, uh, you know, as much, but yeah. I feel that is another big space in the long run. We yeah. are starting the journey, but it's all about offering the network as a resource through APIs, which is what we've been very successful with the cloud. The cloud is large scale infrastructure shared by many users, but all of it is consumed and offered through APIs with lots of different consumption models. And there's no reason a network can't do the same. I mean, it's also an infrastructure asset, but if built in a certain way and delivered through APIs, you there's a the, the, poss the possibilities are infinite in terms of building new models of consumption, offering those resources in a very flexible way and really building a developer community, not just somebody who is uh, connecting to the network, but really developing applications and other services in conjunction with the cloud and the network together. Yeah. So to me, that's another, uh, I, I, I find a huge space. At NWC this year, we'll, we'll probably hear a lot about this area as well. Yeah, okay, terrific. Okay, well, well best of luck, and uh, thanks very much for making the time to speak with us. All right, thank okay, you. you. Take it care. Nice uh, to meet you. Yeah, you too, you too. Well, moving on, let's have a look at the week that was with the inimitable Rowan Pearce, the managing editor of Comms Day. Welcome, Rowan. Hey, Graham. Okay, let's start off. Um, it was a Department of Home Affairs held what they call a town hall meeting um, this week, um, specifically for the telco sector, by the sounds of it, to look at some of the arrangements around um, critical infrastructure legislation. So what did you hear? Actually, so yeah, this was quite interesting. So it wasn't, this one wasn't specifically for the telco sector, but as part of a kind of like it kicked off, I guess, a series of like rolling town halls and other forms of industry engagement, some of which are specifically going to be for the telco sector around, um, around the kind of like the government's planned um, cyber legislation package um, that includes, uh, on one hand, changes to the Security uh, Critical Infrastructure Act, notably bring the TSSR regime into that, so some other changes. And on the other hand, is kind of some of the other measures that are contemplated in the, um, the government's cybersecurity strategy. So that's things like ransomware reporting, for example. But yeah, so th this is part of the, um, uh, obviously the move to kind of like both streamline um, the regulatory obligations of telcos in the sense that they're not kind of covered both by SOCI and by TSSR, but then also kind of um, bring the sector into line with SOCI in the sense that there are some obligations that uh, critical infrastructure providers that our telcos have at the moment, notably around the risk management program obligation. 
and they're going to be kind of like that'll be TSSR will essentially be moved into Soki and then those kind of obligations will be extended to um, Telco. So it's the start of a whole series of industry engagements that are kind of shaping exactly how this is going to happen. Yeah. It, very interesting. It also ha- happened to um, happen in the same week that we had a visiting State Department delegation um, remind us of the need for what they call digital solidarity <laughs> between like-minded nations to really look out for these issues and to keep them top of mind, you know, to make sure that the security of networks is paramount. Um, you know, the, specifically the two who came here were Deputy Secretary of State Richard R. Verma and the US Ambassador at Large for Cyberspace and Digital Policy, Nathaniel Fick. And they, they met with um, a bunch of people locally, include, and I presume, I don't know this for a fact, but presumably they did meet with people from the Department of Home Affairs and, and that area to discuss these very issues and, and to make sure that it, it remains top of mind. So um, anyway, <clears throat> moving on, um, we have round two of the Optus Inquisition. Well, I shouldn't say that. The Senate, the Senate inquiry into um, the Optus outage in November last year and um, Optus had its day in court, of course, last year. Um, and now it's the turn of some other people to appear before this inquiry. So what's going on there, Rowan? Yeah, so th- this is quite interesting. Uh, originally, um, it seemed like the plan in terms of the public hearings for this inquiry were just like Optus was going to appear, be grilled, be put to the question in a very kind of medieval way almost. Um, obviously, it was quite adversarial, uh, the kind of the adversarial scenes last year. Um, but now what's happening is we're having a kind of like a, a second go. They've extended the timeline for the inquiry and this is going to see notably the appearance of Telstra and TPG at the inquiry, which is going to be... Um, and I, I suspect what they're going to be questioned about is going to be issues around, for example, roaming and this kind of like... We've had this big discussion around like temporary roaming in, in times of natural disaster. It was raised at the last inquiry, uh, last hearing in the inquiry, sorry, you know, could could there be a roaming mechanism if there was a network outage? Obviously, obviously, there are big kind of like obvious issues with that, such as like you're suddenly chucking like a one MNO's traffic onto the network of the other two MNOs, and all sorts of chaos would ensue. So it's going to be interesting to see. Um, I suspect they're going to be questioned a bit about that, but also appearing there's going to be um, Akan and the uh, the TIO. I suspect there's going to be questions around the kind of what is adequate compensation um, for consumers and small businesses. Obviously, that's kind of a hot topic. Um, the other thing I suspect is going to be delved into a bit at the hearing will, will be questions around triple zero. Um, obviously, Optus recently revealed that some of the evidence um, at the previous um, hearing was not. Um, fulsome, uh, so to speak, in that they, they kind of underestimated the number of failed triple zero calls. So I suspect, like, we've got Telstra as a triple zero operator there. And it was interesting. I I thought the last hearing kind of um, the Optus CEO at the time, Kelly Barry Rosmer, and kind of, you know, it, it seemed almost as questioning whether there was a fault in how the triple zero system is architected that was leading to some of these um, these calls uh, from Optus customers actually not getting through. So I suspect that's going to be delved into a bit. Yeah, the, 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 question, um, the question there appears to be a specific function called decamping, where when um, a network's not operating, does the mobile phone have enough information that it's not operating to be able to log on to another network? And you know, that, that does require the host network, in this case Optus, to be properly switched off. And that's going to be the question around this. 
which was when they knew that the services were down, were the base stations depowered to enable that decamping function? That's what has to be established. It seems there's some evidence that that didn't work out so well. And of course, more generally, what the reason this whole Optus inquiry means something is, it, it, I mean, obviously there's a bit of a political showboating going on, but it also is giving some focus to pressure for more regulation in this area to mandate um, minimum standards in areas like resilience. And I, I, I thought it was sort of interesting just earlier this week, um, the Minister, Michelle Rowland, announced the new regional telecoms review, which they hold every three years. And uh, she's, she's tapped um, Alana McTiernan, who's a former Western Australian cabinet minister and federal MP, to chair it. And it was really interesting reading reading some of the um, documentation around that. That the word resilience <laughs> was, you know, quite prominent. Something that wasn't necessarily a, a word that was bandied about, you know, three years ago in the last review. Um, and it's 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 obviously a big issue in the minds of regulators. How do we avoid this happening again? And it's going to be very very interesting as twenty twenty four rolls out to see what comes out of the regulatory agencies in particular you know, um, on this front. And obviously the, the big one that the politicians are calling for, like David Littleproud and the Greens and so on, is some kind of mandated domestic roaming. So, you know, it's one thing to decamp onto someone else's network for an emergency call, but should you be able to do that for any calls when your service is down? So it's, it's definitely one to watch for 2024. Thank you for joining us today, Rowan. Cheers. Well, that's it for Comms Day Live this week. Now, we've got our Comms Day Summit early bird registrations open. It's um, nearly a 40% saving um, on the full price. You can access all the details about that at our website at www.commsday.com. And we'll see you on the podcast very soon.